You are listening to The Dynasty Diner, a proud member of the Dynasty Sports Empire family of podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Diner. I am Brett Siegel, the DSE Senior MLB Fantasy Sports Analyst. And here in the diner, we like to sit around the table and focus on Dynasty and Keeper Leagues. And we like to look at one sport at a time. And today we are focusing on baseball again. Uh, We have other sports shows coming up for you soon. We do want to apologize. We did miss last week. We feel like we could have missed this week. Uh, Life seemed to get in the way of both uh, Chris, my co-host, and myself. I'll be bringing Chris on here in a second. But uh, definitely feel like life got in the way. So we apologize to you all for that. I know that's a cardinal sin. You're never supposed to apologize on a podcast, but I feel it's actually warranted this time. We do appreciate you all for coming out and joining us. And thank you to all the returning listeners. And uh, again, appreciate all you new listeners. If you have not already, please hit that subscribe button where you're listening to us. You can be notified of all of our latest episodes. And in today's episode, we're going to be taking a quick look at um, basically players getting DFA'd and some injury updates. But before we bring in our co-host, I do need to remind you all of something. The NFL Draft was one of the most anticipated days of the NFL fans' calendar, and that also means fantasy football is not too far behind. DynastySportsEmpire.com is going to change the way you play fantasy football. DSC offers fantasy football gamers of all skill levels an opportunity to draft and retain your well-maintained rosters and players for the entire NFL career. Highlighted with large rosters, high-scoring games, easy payouts, and an amazing online community, DSE has everything you would want in a challenging online experience. Please visit online at DynastySportsEmpire.com. That's DynastySportsEmpire.com. And check out all the amazing formats for this upcoming fantasy football season. Now it's time to introduce our co-host. We would like to welcome Chris Zelaya. He is our DSC content editor and baseball commissioner. How you doing, Chris? Tired tonight, but pushing through. Yes, we are all pushing through. <laughs> Chris, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at, uh, at Drunken Angels with a Z at the end. And you can find me on Twitter at B-A-Siegel68. That is B-A-S-I-E-G-E-L-6-8 at Twitter.com. And... Uh, As I said, we did skip an episode. Apologies to everybody for that. Uh, We actually guest starred on Football Day's podcast for the entire first day of the NFL draft. And I think it was about four hours. Uh, They broke it up into about four segments, but we we were on for about four hours. We were pretty wiped out after that. And uh, then, you know, our individual jobs got in the way. Yes, everybody, we have real jobs. Uh, both of us, we do this uh, for fun on the side, and we try to make the best of it. You have anything else, Chris? You want to chit chat about? No, I mean, if 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 you haven't already listened to the the podcast from the football day about the NFL draft, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Brett and I had a great time on that podcast. Uh, the the hosts over there are fantastic. Uh, been trying to figure out a way to get Mike on our show, talk about basketball. 
yeah we we love mike and jake they're 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 a blast to have on board yeah uh, but yeah it, it was a it was a fun time long night but fun time absolutely so today uh just as a quick preview and we'll get into this obviously more in a moment we're going to be talking about dfa players like albert Pujols. Uh, we're going to wonder who's next and uh, what that means to Major League Baseball. We're going to do uh, some injury updates and, uh, of course, our patented Dish of the Day. Uh, for those that do not know, Dish of the Day is where we offer some insight, strategy, or just a rant about something. And uh, we'll deal with that when we get to it. And uh, first up on the agenda is uh, Albert Pujols, who still had basically the rest of this year and next year on his playing contract and he was designated for assignment and hopefully if you're listening to us you know what that means but if you don't that means basically the team cut him outright and put him on waivers for three days if he cleared waivers he would be available to all teams as an unrestricted free agent they completely cut bait from him and at the end of the day Albert Pujols is a no doubt hall of famer I'll let you uh, take it from there, Chris. Yeah, Pujols in his prime was one of the greatest players, hitters, fielders, name it. I mean, he just, he was amazing. For His first 10 years was by far probably the best 10 years of any player in the history of Major League Baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he, he was a phenomenal St. Louis Cardinal. He went to the Angels and slowly started his decline. He got paid and... and I don't think anybody blames him for going to the Angels because he did get paid, but he was never really the same. In these last two years, he's just been a shell of his former self. It's almost hard to watch him play sometimes. He can't field. He can't run. It's either a home run or a strikeout. He, his batting average is 200. Like This is not the Albert Pujols I want to remember. I want to remember the the 15-year-ago version. Yeah, and I do want to say something about his uh, his contract. You know, it's always been the case in Major League Baseball where players are not getting paid proportionately, appropriately for the work that they're doing in their first contracts. The way the way that it's the way contracts are built for these players coming out of the minor leagues and how long they have control over them, which is why you see some teams manipulate control over players. You know, they're they're. And Chris Bryant is a perfect example. I mean, he was he was fuming when they manipulated him at the beginning of his contract. Chris Bryant has reestablished himself as one of the top third basemen in the game. He is absolutely, even through arbitration, he is not being paid what he is worth. What's going to end up happening is, and the same thing with Albert Pujols, is that you have these players that are not getting paid appropriately, and then they get into their, their next wave of contracts, and you're now paying a player for what they did in the past based on what you hope they can do in the future. But in Pujols' case, he signed that second contract when he was 30 years old. And it was a 12-year contract. They were going to have him until age 42. I don't think anyone saw his decline come as hard and fast as it did. As far as weighted runs created plus goes, and I'm not looking at the numbers, but I do know he... He has not been over league average for two to three years, and he's really only had one super productive year with the Angels, in my opinion, which was his second year there. And I think this is going to have a major impact on future contracts for free agents, 
because, and this is why you also see players getting locked up early now. Even a Bryce Harper who left his original contract, he came into the league when he was 18 or 19 years old. So he was only 26 when he signed the contract with the Phillies. But you see players like Fernando Tatis getting locked up early now because they want to lock those guys up for the 10 or 12 year or 15 year contracts that they want to give these young players before they get into their or well into their 30s or close to their 40s because we don't know how quick the decline is going to come and i think future future free agents are now going to be hurt by what i call the pool host effect where you're going to have teams very weary of paying high dollar for these players that are going to be into their 40s at the tail end of these contracts. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with that. Um, I thought when the Angels gave him that 12-year deal, it was a crazy contract. I mean, I wouldn't pay anybody past the age of 35, basically, and they were paying him to play until he was 40. I thought that was massively naive on their part, but, I mean, whatever. They got what they wanted. Um, there is also the intangible factor whenever you sign a player like a pool holes, the, the clubhouse presence, the impact he's going to have on rookies, how he's going to be able to just uh, mentor and teach a lot of the up-and-coming youngsters that are, that are playing on the team. It's hard to put a price on that, and a, a guy like Pool Holes is a perfect example of somebody that you want in the clubhouse. You want him in the clubhouse. You want him around your rookies. You want him around your young guys because he's got an incredible work ethic. He's one of the best to play the game in my lifetime. So, yeah, you're paying for that also. Right. But I will say this. I don't know that many people know this. Pool Holes signed a 10-year after playing contract to be a member of the Angels front office. And I'm really curious how this is going to come into play because what I have read over the last 24 to 48 hours is that as his playing time decreased this year, he became the one who was pushing for, let me go. Let me go play somewhere where I can play every day. And although the Angels front office agreed with that decision and DFA'd him, and of course, nobody picked him up on waivers because nobody wants to deal with that contract. Um, so everyone knew he was going to clear waivers. He's now free to negotiate with any team. When he's done playing, he still has a contract in place to be an advisor for the Angels for 10 years. How do you go work for somebody for 10 years after they cut you? In, I mean, I understand it, 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 it appears that he asked for that cut. But it's still it's that's a that's a very unpleasant situation all the way around. It's the business of baseball. Yeah, I mean, a guy, a guy like Pujols knows that baseball is a business first, so you take your you take it with a grain of salt, I guess, and you, you you're going to get paid for the next ten years of your life after this contract is over. So let let's talk about what this does for the Angels by DFAing Pujols. I'll let you take that, Chris. So basically what it does is it opens up an everyday job for Jared Welsh at first base. He doesn't have to worry about pool holes coming in. Isn't it Walsh? I think it's Walsh, Walsh. not Welsh. Walsh. Um, it also guarantees that Otani is going to get all, basically, of the designated hitter assignments. He doesn't have to worry about splitting time with pool holes. Uh, it also opens up a door for young guys like Adele and Adams to possibly get called up um, 
because Upton is getting up there in age. He has a track record of injuries. And That's it's another very, ridiculous contract they signed. Well, the GM of the Angels wasn't the smartest when it came to a lot of these contracts. But uh, Upton will probably miss time, almost guaranteed. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him start to shift over to one DH in day a week, especially towards around the All-Star break. And maybe by the end of the year, he's actually, if he's hitting, splitting time with Otani, uh, who is he also has a track record of being injured for weeks at a time. So it opens up the door for a lot of these young up-and-coming outfielders that the Angels seem to have a, a plethora of in their in their double-A AA and triple-A system. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with the move to DFA Polhos, and I, I'm really excited. I have one share of uh, Jared Walsh in Dynasty, so I'm really excited to see what he can do, and I've seen him defensively. He's phenomenal offensively. He's doing great. Um, I, I'm excited about his prospects uh, going forward. Yeah, it does give Otani the ability to DH every day. Um, I don't, I'm still not convinced he can be a pitcher and a hitter at the same time, but that remains to be seen. Here's my problem with all these young kids coming up. I feel like the angels know their window on trout being their backbone to win a championship is that window is closing smaller and smaller at every at bat. And there's a lot of pressure to win now. And I don't know, I, like you said earlier, Pujols was a phenomenal clubhouse asset. And now that's gone. D- does the team really get energized with all these young guys enough to make it to and win a World Series? Or are we just spinning wheels here just trying to bring on the next wave? And if that's the case, maybe you should trade Trout. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know well, what, what to do yeah. here. Let's be real about the Angels. They don't have the pitching to win a World Series. They don't even have pitching in their farm system to win a World Series. They wasted all these. You you remember, uh, what was that guy from Houston that used to just, uh, every other hit felt like it was a home run. And he had the drug problem. They brought him in. They gave him over $100 million. And he barely played like 50 games for them. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. But, you know, they've made some terrible, terrible free agent acquisitions on the hitting side of the of the clubhouse I, I, why why are you spending all this money on these free agents when you could have been going after people like Garrett Cole I mean I just don't understand it you had the opportunity to go after big time pitchers and maybe they were just banking on, on Otani being that guy for them but I think Otani's a better hitter than he is a pitcher. He's phenomenal as a pitcher, but I think, I, I hate to say this, I think Otani's got to move into the bullpen for him to be effective every day. So first, the outfielder you were thinking of is Josh Hamilton. Thank and you. I appreciate I, that. I agree that... I'm getting old. <laughs> he was a wasted, however much the contract was, $100 million. Um, I also agree that Otani should be a bullpen arm not a starting pitcher arm. He's only pitching four innings. They're not letting him throw the ball more than four innings anyway. So why not just turn him into uh, a setup guy or a closer? Maybe not a closer, a setup guy or a seventh inning guy yeah, so that he I, can still DH. Well, he could be he could be a long middle reliever. 
Yeah, um, he could do or, that. Or even a setup guy, like you said. I don't think you want him in a high leverage situation uh, where th- that much pressure is put on him to save a game after he's been hitting all day in that lineup. I will say that the Angels did make a run at Garrett, Derek, uh, Garrett Cole. Um, they came up short, Not a very obviously. good one. Well, they offered him... They offered him a couple hundred million dollars. It wasn't just, good enough. They also made a run at Bauer, and it wasn't good enough. And that's his hometown. I understand he was always a Dodger fan. He was most likely going to the Dodgers regardless. They also but, have so much money tied up in the Rendon and the Pujols contracts. Well, that's, and, that's, that's my point exactly. Why are you going after Rendon when you, when you need to spend money on pitching? I mean— do you, the GM isn't smart. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can you can spin the wheels all you want about this one topic, but the GM just is not smart. He's wasted so much money on hitters past their prime, made bad decisions on putting guys in the field, and he's never addressed the monkey in the room. It's that their starting pitcher is mediocre at best, and he's in a tough division. So if you can't beat the Dodgers, if you can't beat the Padres, if you can't beat the Giants this year what are you doing if your starting pitcher is not good enough if your five-man rotation is not good enough to beat the Giants in in your state what are you doing yeah well let's move on to you wanted to talk about uh Miguel Cabrera Miggy since I grew up with him in South Florida I was there for his rookie campaign which by the way to me was one of the most fantastic phenomenal and enjoyable rookie seasons I ever saw from a player. But let's talk about Miggy for a bit. Um, let you start that off. Maybe an unpopular opinion, but Miggy should be DFA'd. Yeah, it's unpopular. I don't agree with you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you why I think Miggy should be DFA'd. One, you got to get rid of that contract. It's it's such a it's such a hindrance for the Tigers. I mean, they're almost out from under the Dombrowski horrendous deals that he made. The Mickey deal is going to haunt them for another couple of years. He's not pulling his weight. Let's be real. He's I think, I barely think hitting 200. I think Miggy will do the right thing, and he will probably just retire after this year. But with all those young guys in the clubhouse, I think his experience and his, uh, his that clubhouse persona is going to be uh, much valued. And, and I think uh, I think the manager knows that too. So let's play devil's advocate for a second. UDFA, Miggy, what does that do? It opens up uh, first base DH spot. You've got a kid in the minors that is going to hit no worse than every single player around the Tigers right now if you brought him up to the majors. And that kid I'm talking about is Torkelson. Yeah, Spencer he, Torkelson. He's going to hit I, no I worse. Like I, I like him. I don't think he's ready. I, I haven't Let seen him. Let him grow up with the team. That's you know a... the Tigers are rebuilding. You know that they're that you know that they are not winning. They had what ten wins this year, like they're gonna be hot garbage for the next couple of seasons. Why not let him just get his cuts at the major league level? He's gonna do no worse than every player on that team. He's probably gonna lead the team in batting average, as crazy as that might sound. They don't have hitters on that team. This is mostly true i'm not going to debate you on that i i guess i'm just an old traditionalist in that i want to see 
players prove themselves at the various levels of the minor league system come up when they're ready. It usually takes a year at single A, a year at double A, a year at triple A. By their fourth season, they're ready to go. The the Bryce Harpers of the world and the Miggy Cabreras of the world are rare breeds. You do not see 18, 19, 20-year-olds make it into the Major League Baseball player um, uh, stature and succeed right off the bat that early. I mean, I my favorite example is there was a guy in the late 80s i think his name was greg jeffries is that does that sound familiar to anybody i think his name was greg jeffries he was like he came up when he was like 19 with the mets he was supposed to be the next hank aaron or you know i can't even remember all the comps that they gave him he was this great hitting I mean, he, he, he had the bat of Hank Aaron and the glove of Ozzie Smith, and he was supposed to be the next great thing, and he did not survive well. He just couldn't handle the pressure. Maybe it was just New York, but he made his way around different teams and different leagues and, and you know, ALNL, I believe, and he I there's just so many of those players that just don't make it, and I... I don't want to see Spencer Torkelson be that guy. I, Like I said, the Miguel Cabreras of this world are rare. I saw him come up. I don't, he may have even been 18 when he first came up with the, with the Marlins. That was the year they won the World Series. And uh, in 2003, and he was phenomenal. It, it was one of the most impressive years I've ever seen of a rookie with my own eyes. I had season tickets that year, or I went to probably 40, 50 games, and I was there for the I was there for the um, playoff game against the Giants, where the the game ended in that throw to home plate where Ivan Rodriguez Pudge held on to the ball uh, for the last out, which was also one of the greatest endings to a baseball game that I ever saw, but. I remember I was sitting in, in right center field and I was heckling Barry Bonds the entire game and rooting for Miggy, who I think was playing center field that day. But I I, I don't know that Torkelson's ready to come up personally. Well see, here's here's the thing. They've got so many young kids in their in their farm system. He's hands down the, the best prospect that they have hitting wise in the in the farm system there's also no pressure to do anything great there's no pressure to win so the whole team is just going to be it's going to be shit for the next couple of years why not bring up torkelson why not let matt manning take a rotation spot and get rid of jose arena um why not the team is in a rebuild everybody knows it the fans know it other teams know it you can just look at the lineup and say, wow, it's AJ it's shit. Hinch is there as the manager, right? Yeah. I, I'm getting Hinch and, and La Russa confused in my head because they're in the same division with new teams. So. Yeah, La Russa is He's with the White Sox. Yeah, he's a schmuck with the White Sox. <laughs> who, who doesn't know the rules and is making bad decisions and making stupid comments. and He's a schmuck. Um, yeah, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, there was no excuse for him not knowing the rules the other day with that runner on second to start the 10th inning uh the excuse the best excuse i heard was he just doesn't care uh he doesn't and it's very obvious he's making 
stupid decisions. Like even with not pulling starting pitchers or leaving leaving relievers in there too long, or he's just making some really stupid decisions. And it's funny that I heard Tony Larusa made a comment that there's just no room for pool holes on the White Sox at this moment. Well, you Everybody, would think you would think that it would be a good fit. I mean, he did manage uh, pool holes in St. Louis for the majority of his tenure there, if not the whole thing. I'm not sure of the exact years, but he was definitely there for Pujols's, uh best seasons. And you, you would think that they would have a camaraderie and an understanding of each other. But I, I still think that Pujols wants to be an everyday DH. And there's no nobody has room for that right now. No. No. I don't. I think Pujols' days are done. I don't think he's going to get a contract. I don't think he's going to play every day. He's 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 a shell of his former self. And to to put a guy who's batting two hundred in the lineup every day, it's not a smart move. It's just not. Is there anybody else that we can think of off the top of our head? I know we didn't write it down, but anybody else who needs to go? <laughs> uh, hitting wise, I I mean. I can't really think of too many veteran hitters that are just not pulling their weight. I mean, Chris Davis, Orioles. How is that guy still on a team? He's on a 60-day DL, though. Chris Davis is not going to play until July at best. So he's not really he's not really on a roster. He's not taking a spot away from a young kid. I mean, yeah, he's still on a he's still on a team, but he's not batting. I mean, you could say the same thing about Chris Davis, the permanent DH who's now on the Rangers, but he's also hurt and he's been on the DL right. the entire season. Right. So, so like, let's, I, let's, well, let, let's cut to injuries. And, uh, and, uh, we've got a few players that you wanted to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll introduce the first one because, uh, when we did our show notes, he had not yet debuted, but he made his debut yesterday. We were recording this on uh, Monday he debuted on a Sunday, and it was a less than spectacular debut. And that is Nate Pearson, the phenom, six foot six pitcher from the Toronto Blue Jays, playing in Buffalo now. Or no, they're still in Dunedin, but they're going to be playing in Buffalo. The misplaced Toronto Blue Jays. Well, you could call them the COVID Blue Jays because they're not allowed <laughs> to go back to Tor- Toronto. Well, they can go back, soon. but no team can come visit them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Pearson, he got rocked. Uh, it was a bad performance. I think he walked five, struck out none in two and a, two and a third innings. Um, yes, he, I, I moved him into my starting rotation in one league, so I, I suffered negative points. Thank you. Yeah, he, he, he just he didn't pitch well. I mean, he's going to take his lumps. He's He's got great stuff. He just had a bad day. I mean, it happens. Young kids are going to have a bad day, especially against really good lineups. And he, he just, did really well in his last AAA performance before getting yeah. called up last Tuesday. I'm not worried about Pearson. I'm no, glad that I'm he's finally either. here. Um, he's gonna he's gonna learn, and he's gonna get better, and he's gonna he's gonna figure things out. And he's I I do want to shift off of Pearson for just a second because he reminds me of another pitcher that I think struggles and I don't know is going to figure it out and that is Casey Mize I I know he's not injured but I I I don't know why but I always think of those two in the same same category because of their size and and whatnot and Mize was a first number one pick overall I think uh, a few years back he's 
just he never puts it together when he gets to I mean he always does great in the minors he just can't pitch in the major leagues I don't know what it is with him all right well you're saying this and he's actually had two pretty good back-to-back he, games he he has had a, a couple he has had well one that I saw that was pretty impressive he, he pitched well in his last two he had he got rocked in a couple but he's had three good starts this year he's also young i mean we're talking we're talking about a guy who's 24 years old i was gonna say he's 23 or 24 yeah he's 24 years old you want to talk about maybe not ready for the majors he probably fits into that category he probably could have done another year in triple a uh worked on some more of his secondary and third pitches but i mean they brought him up they're giving him his chance Again, no pressure to win. The team sucks. So he's going to figure things out. And Right. But going back to Pearson, Pearson's got – there are th- – I, I feel like the, the Blue Jays have three great talents in their minor league system. And the funny thing is they're taking different tacks with all three of them. They've got Nate Pearson, they got Alec Manoa, and they got uh, Kloffenstein. And with – You're going to skip over Wood Richardson? Only because I feel like Wood Richardson doesn't fall into that same category, but you're probably right. There's there I sh- I should have mentioned Wood Richardson, but it's funny they I feel like they they're dealing with all four of those pitchers differently, and I don't know that they should. I think they all should have been they should all be hanging back. That that should be a triple A rotation to 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 just blow everybody out of the water and and wait until they're ready. I don't know that. Toronto needs those arms. I don't know that they need Pearson's arm up there in the bigs right now. And I'm I'm worried that they're bringing them up too fast. I'm going to disagree with you. I think they do need his arm in the bigs because their rotation is not great. Matz is already faltering. Roark is shit. Um, Roark got Roark got released, didn't he? Well, I mean, he was shit. They've been they've been running a bullpen game once a week for the last couple of weeks. Actually, two weeks ago, they ran two bullpen games. I think that they do need Pearson. They're hoping for him to at least start every other week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Manoa make his major league debut this year because that's how much the Blue Jays realize they need arms in that rotation, and their rotation is not great. They've got a lot of good bats, but their arms lack. And if they're going to make a run against the Yankees and the Red Sox to try to win the AL, they're going to need arms. They're also got to beat the White Sox. And the White Sox rotation right now is outperforming everybody. So Surprisingly outperforming everybody. The Blue Jays need the arms. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see Manoa come up this year and make, a, and make his debut and stick around in the rotation because the white uh, the Blue Jays just don't have enough arms. You think Wood Richardson's going to come up too? I think that him and Kloffenstein won't unless there's drastic injuries. I know Kloffenstein won't. Kloffenstein had to they added a pitch with him or he added a pitch and he did not have the opportunity to work that new pitch in against live batters other than at the training facility or some summer league last year um afterwards he he needs he needs a full season with that pitch before they bring him up because otherwise they're they're not going to let him throw that pitch in the major leagues untested and that mean that reduces him to a two pitch pitcher and unless you're a reliever in a high leverage situation 
and you have the confidence to throw those two pitches, that's the only place for you. I don't think they want him there. I think because of his size, too, he's another. See, that's the thing. I, I don't know the height on Wood Richardson, but I know that Kloffenstein and Pearson are both over 6'5 apiece. I think I think Pearson's 6'6", and I think Kloffenstein is 6'7". I'm not looking at any of their stats. I know you like to do that while I rattle. <laughs> Wood Richardson is 6'3". Okay. So still pretty stout. But um, I, I know Kloffenstein, I believe, is 6'7". And he's and he's still putting on weight. So I, I don't I know he's absolutely not coming. If he comes up this year, I'll be totally shocked. Yeah, no, I, I don't see him. I think him and another young kid, uh, CJ Van Eck, both are probably two years away, realistically, um, for similar reasons. I, I think this year that Manoa is almost definitely going to make a debut. Um, there's one other kid that they have in their in their farm system, also in AAA at the moment, uh, TJ Zuch, who's made a couple of spot starts last year. I think that's how you say his last name, Z-U, or Z-E-U-C-H. He's going to make a couple spot starts this year also for them. Um, they have pieces that they can move in and out of AAA to the majors, spot starts, or in the case of Manoa, to just stick in the rotation if he does pitch well. But they're going to need to do it. They're going to need to make those kind of moves because they just didn't get enough arms in the offseason. All right, so who's our next uh, injury update? Brendan Rodgers. Um I had really high hopes for Brendan Rodgers, and then he pulls a hamstring sliding into second. And the report that I just read is he's still a couple of weeks away before he even gets into a into a simulated game. Uh, hamstring injuries, we know, nag. They're not as bad as oblique injuries, but they do nag, and they are really can linger for an entire season. I feel that Brendan Rodgers is going to fall into that category. And fantasy owners are not going to be able to use him much this year. I will say this. I I live in a high-altitude environment, and I used to live at sea level. Injury, maybe I'm just older and it's more difficult to recover, but I think there's a pretty proven track record that, especially for Rockies, their, their ability to heal is severely uh, lengthened compared to other teams, and I, I think it has to do with the altitude. I know training in high altitude is a good thing because it makes your lungs and heart work harder, and they get stronger, but you need more blood flow to to recover, and I, I think that that is at a premium, or you need more oxygen, and that's at a premium up here. And the, the Rockies AAA affiliate, I believe, I can't remember. They're also in Colorado. I don't remember if they're in Colorado Springs or um, or uh, Grand uh, Grand Junction, but they're also at altitude. And I I don't know what it is. Rocky players just don't don't recover as quickly. Their AAA is Albuquerque. I thought the Dodgers AAA was Albuquerque. No, the Rockies AAA is Albuquerque. Yeah, that's uh, they redid all the triple a teams this year the dodgers used to be albuquerque okay well now it's the now it's the rockies <laughs> okay <laughs> maybe the rockies wanted their players to recover better so they they got them down a little bit lower than the uh you know 6500 feet 
But yeah, but either way, I mean, listen, I I, I like Brendan Rodgers. I just him being a couple weeks away, that's going to put you into June before he has a rehab game or a simulated game. Well, Ownings is another Rocky who went on the D. He had a great start. He went on the IL and it's like he disappeared. Uh, there's also no end in sight for that either, because uh, I looked I looked up a bunch of players. Um, so yeah, owners are just gonna have to hold on to the Brendan Rodgers. Owings, I think, is a droppable piece. Uh, Rodgers, not so much. In Dynasty, you would drop Owings. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's actually widely available in a lot of Dynasty leagues. Yeah, I picked him up on his hot streak in one of my Dynasty leagues, and I've got him stashed on the IL. But I also believe he is on the team that I have ten or ten, eleven, or twelve IL players on a 46-man roster. So I'm, I'm dealing with a 25% injured rate right now on one of my teams. I Weirdly, I'm 4-1 I'm in that league, and I'm not sure how I've pulled that off so far because I've been doing nothing but dealing with injuries left and right. I'm not. There are days I can't even field a, a complete team. Yeah, welcome so, to 2021. I think yeah. uh, there's, I've got so many teams that fall into the same category. Well, the next player we want to talk about, you wrote down Ketel Marte, but I'm going to add Starling Marte to that list. So I'm going to let you start with Ketel, and then I will pile on with Starling, because I, I think both of them need to be spoken about. Ketel Marte is starting rehab games. Um, the Diamondbacks, I mean, other than getting swept by the Mets in this last series, have actually played well. They have a bunch of young talent. They're all starting to come around hitting-wise, and Marte is going to play. Once he's back on the reactive roster, he's going to take a spot from somebody. The question I kept asking myself is whose roster spot does he take? Um, I feel yeah. like it I feel like it might end up being Pavon Smith, and I really don't like that option, but... Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Josh... Um... John Rojas... Josh Rojas, John Rojas. Is it Josh Rojas or John Rojas? John. No, Rojas. He's not taking Ro- Rojas' spot. Rojas no. has just entrenched himself in there. And by the way, I drafted him in a Cats league. And I remember I remember messaging you. You're not in the league, but I remember messaging you. I just got the steal of the draft because I caught him in like the 15th or 16th round. Maybe it was even later than that. But I was I was so excited that he kept falling and falling and falling, and I was like, "Steal the draft!" And I I sent that to somebody else other than you, and they were like, "Who's Rojas?" And I said, "Exactly." I'm like, "You all are missing the boat on this one." Yeah, and he started off he started off slow. I, I will say that he started off slow, but he did figure it out, turn himself around, and he was quickly added straight across the board in dynasty leagues. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, he, the kid hits, and he's yeah. playing well. And he, and he plays defense well. So I want to talk about Starling Marte, outfielder for the uh, Marlins. He hurt himself a few weeks, maybe a month back, where he was making a dive. I, I can't remember if he was going back to first. I was watching the game, but I can't remember. He was either making a dive back to first base or was sliding into second base. Uh, no, it was back to first base because I remember they were looking at him there, and and he hurt what they thought his it was his oblique, but he actually fractured his rib. They are saying now he is going to be out until 
probably close to June, maybe even July to the All-Star break. That is a major, major hit for anybody in fantasy. I will say this. I do have him in TGFBI. I'm holding on to him because I still think it's worth it to me to hold on to him. But if I, And that's only because it's an experts league. But if I was in a redraft league, I would be dropping Starling Marte. Uh, in Dynasty, though, I would hold on to him uh, despite his age. I think he's still worth it. More so in Roto and Cats where stolen bases are a premium. Not so much in regular Dynasty Leagues, at least for DSE scoring, I believe that uh, stolen bases, I, I've written articles on this before in the past, stolen bases in routine Dynasty DSE Leagues are not worth it. They do not make an impact uh, point-wise, maybe for the day, but over the course of the season, little or, little or no impact uh, by some of the best uh, base dealers in the league. So... You know, Starling Marte, uh, redraft, drop him. Dynasty, mm, you could probably drop him unless you're dealing with a Roto or a Cats League. Uh, but it, it's really, it's, it's a fence call. You can go either way on him. I, I agree. Uh, I, I would probably try to trade him. I don't know if I would drop him outright. I would test no, the No, you definitely and, don't and, drop and him out. I mean, he is droppable, but why not get a player for him if you can? Yeah, I think in, in, in dynasty formats, I would, you know, I'd float trade offers. I'd probably be selling low, and I'd be okay with it, uh, considering his age and the injury. But um, he's not somebody I want to I want to use a, an IL spot or or even a bench spot for. Honestly, I want to talk about a guy that I took in TGFBI that I haven't been able to use yet this year. Uh, <laughs> Juan Soto. for like 10 games, maybe. Juan Soto is healthy, and I'm going to asterisk that because he does have a lingering shoulder issue that is probably going to linger the entire season, which makes me believe he's going to not hit his full potential straight across the board in every stat category, which is going to hurt me in TGFBI. Well, um, but I did read that it is not affecting his swing in any way it is only affecting his throwing unfortunately last i checked there is no dh in the national league so he's gonna have to play the field um i don't i i don't know that they're gonna be able to leave him in left field they can't they're, they're and gonna have to move him to the other corner the other thing that i've well he's he's currently left field center field eligible he, I, now, I, I, I i believe I, I he'll be he, right field eligible really quickly you you need a you need you you need an arm to play center field too. Yeah, you need more legs than you need in left field. But right field is obviously where you just put your big giant power hitters that you know don't have the arm or the speed to play the other two. Even with him moving to right field, and I do think that does happen this season. I don't think he plays a five day. Uh, a five-day schedule. I think they're going to play him four days and give him a rest day, maybe even three days and two rest days. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start resting him more frequently to try to preserve that, um, which is fine. It, it's not anything wrong with that for the team's perspective, but for fantasy's perspective, that's going to be rough because a guy that you were planning in like the Roto and the Cats Leagues to get you 40 home runs is probably going to come up with closer to 30 ish 
home runs. Yeah, I, uh, I bought an orphan, uh, as you know, in, in DSC's Roto Leagues, and one of the main buying points for me was Juan Soto. And uh, I am I am flirting with the seller on that team because of Juan Soto. Yeah, yeah. And it's, listen, I, I, I took him 4-1, uh, which would be 1-1 one, one overall in, in a redraft league, but I took him 4-1 overall in a startup league for DSC this year. And I'm 1-4 in that league. Yeah. Because my team has just hit the injury bug big, and I feel like I've got, at one point, I had 11 guys on a startup league, so a 42-man roster with 11 people on the injured list. I couldn't feel the full lineup. I can't, uh, most of my rotation was hurt at one point. It's uh, it's been a rough, it's been a rough five weeks so far. So, you know, it's the price you're going to pay for 2021, I guess. So I want to let's move to our last player, and we're I'm going to make it two players because I'm going to interject one before we get to yours. But we have two pitchers that are making their way back into starting to throw again, and they are both highly anticipated to make their debuts this year. The first that well, the the one that we have written down is Noah Syndergaard, and the other one that I want to talk about is Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez is finally throwing from like 120 feet just playing toss and they anticipate him making it into bullpen sessions in the next couple of weeks and they are talk the marlins are talking about bringing him up in june uh the i i think sixto sanchez is the next pedro martinez i know i don't like to do comps but the reality is what it is i this kid is a this kid's been a fireballer for four or five years since uh he got noticed uh, as a 16-year-old, and he just keeps getting better and better. And although Trevor Rogers is making a name for himself as a possible rookie of the year, I would not be surprised to see three Marlins with uh, with uh, Sixto Sanchez, Trevor Rogers, and uh, Jazz Chisholm all making moves to to be rookie of the years. I, I still think that Marlins team is not to be dismissed. Uh, if all three of those rookies are firing on all cylinders, they're going to be a tough team to beat with that starting pitching rotation behind them. I agree. I'll even throw in another Marlin and say J.J. Bleday. Um I don't know that he's going to get called up this year. They've got a lot of outfield prospects, and I think they can they can let him marinate in AAA for another year. Because he hasn't played in AAA I think, yet. I think he'll get called up. It'll be very late in the season, but I, th- I do think he'll see a taste of It won't of the be majors. enough to impact for a rookie of oh, the year. Oh, no. No, no. I'm not saying that it's going to be this year. But next year, if he hits the way that I think he can hit, and I think that the if he hits the way that the Marlins are hoping he can hit, he could very easily be in the rookie of the year consideration next year. Well, he destroyed the SEC at Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah. he was lights out with that bat. I mean, you it felt like every hit was a home run. Ugh. The one thing I kept reading about him was uh, baseball IQ. He's he's just a smart kid, and he's figuring things out, and he's getting better, and he's making the adjustments on the fly in a lot of cases. And it's he's he's going to be something special, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree, one hundred percent. So I'll let you take Noah Syndergaard. So. <sighs> I realized that this year I drafted a lot of New York Mets pitchers. Um, <laughs> like, 
it's hard not to target Jacob deGrom, but I had also targeted Stroman. I had also uh, targeted Taiwan Walker. And of course, I was looking at Syndergaard. Even though I know he's hurt and he's going to miss most of the year, I still had him targeted um, in dynasty leagues for the reason that it, he's he's Noah Syndergaard. He started throwing this week, and, or next week rather. He's doing light tosses this week, but he's going to start his throwing program next week. He's on schedule to make his major league debut for the season in June, which is fantastic. I mean, I don't want to rush him. If he needed until July, fine. I drafted him thinking he's going to pitch in July, but if he can make his debut in June, I'll take it, and it's an extra one to two starts I can get out of him in my D36 league that everybody seems to be hurt anyway. He's occupying one of my high L spots and is one of the 11 guys that are still on the injured list. Um, but he, it, it's encouraging news to see that he's he's in good spirits. He's, he's going to start throwing. Everything has gone well so far. He's, uh, he's in great shape. I mean, that's the one thing that I keep seeing uh, him post about and reporters talk about is how well he's taking care of himself uh, during the entire process. And he looks like he's in great shape. He, he feels like he's in great shape. He's anxious to get back onto the field and throw the ball, which everything is encouraging. Yeah, I, I think that dynasty owners are quite uh, enthralled to have him, you know, on the precipice of coming back. Obviously, if you had Noah Syndergaard in dynasty, you weren't dropping him due to any arm issues. So I, I think anybody who's got him is just really hyped to get him back. Um, I... I I don't know how he played out in redraft because I don't really do redraft anymore, but I know even in TGFBI, or at least in my league, he was drafted. So somebody somebody drafted him with the intent of stashing him uh, for the majority of the season and just have that play out. So I tried to get him in TGFBI. I was two picks, two picks late. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. He's just one of those guys that you know what he's going to do when he does pitch. So, yeah, why not? I, I'll throw him. I mean, right now on my bench in TGFBI, I got Logan Gilbert. I just, you know. I, I'm I'm ready to hear the uh, who's better, Noah or Jacob arguments all over again because those are uh, always fun to hear. Jacob's hurt. And yeah. the Mets, I think, are downplaying his injury a little bit, saying that it's only a, a right side issue. And nothing serious. Um, this is the second time in two weeks, though, that he's had the same nagging. It sounds like it's I, an oblique. It, yeah, I was gonna say I, I believe it's an oblique injury, and and as a well as almost any player, well more so for hitters because it affects their hitting, but and their running. But pitchers, it's got to be painful. So I I think he's gonna end up on the IL eventually. He yeah I, I, I listen an oblique injury in baseball. I don't care what position you play. An oblique injury is the kind of thing that's going to linger Did the you, entire year. Speaking of obliques, and I, I know that we're not supposed to cross sports here, but I just read today that Stefan Diggs played with a torn oblique all of last year for the Bills. I read something about that. That is insane. That dude was a monster last year. And he, yeah. if he had a torn oblique, that is just crazy crazy that he did i mean that dude has a pain threshold like nobody i know well the one thing that you, you don't know and i don't think anybody's going to talk about it, is how many did he take cortisone shots and if so how many yeah um, yeah i'm sure that he was given a couple 
because I don't care how tough you are, a torn oblique is a torn oblique. Yeah. And so let's uh, let's move on to the dish of the day. And uh, again, for those that are new, this is where we offer some insight, strategy, or a rant, and uh, give you something to chew on while you're uh, leaving the diner and uh, take with you as a doggy bag, something to mull over until the next time when we return. And I will start with my dish of the day. And this is kind of a rant. <sighs> I didn't really flesh this out because I'm still angry over it. Uh, last week in a Dynasty League, in Dynasty Sports Empire, I played a team that basically used game theory to beat me. In Dynasty Sports Empire, we do not limit your we limit the roster size, but we don't limit how many players you carry from any position. We don't we don't limit your minor league picks, we don't limit your bench spots. You're free to load up your team in any way, shape, or form that you want. Now, I bought an orphan in this team, I think it was two or three years ago. I I, I lose track because Last year, we didn't play in DSE, and, and so I'm not really sure how many years I've had this team, but I think it's two or three seasons now, and I've been trying to rebuild this team. And I'm trying to rebuild it the right way, which is both hitters and pitchers. I faced a team that had 37 starting pitchers on their roster, and he started 31 starting pitchers against me last week and just to put into context the 31 starting pitchers that he threw last week scored just a point or two shy of 600 points which his starting pitching alone would have been good enough to beat all but one team with just his starting pitching think about that you're playing in a dynasty league. You're going head-to-head -head with a guy for a week. And he throws 31 starting pitchers against you. Yes, some of them got negative points on some of the outings. But there is absolutely no way for me to compete with that. I scored 409 points, which was probably enough to beat... Let me see here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5... It was enough to beat five of 16 teams. Um, and it was, you know, it, it wasn't a bad performance. Uh, but again, it's a rebuilding team. I'm not, I'm not, I knew that I wasn't going to be that good. But man, was it disheartening to go, to face a buzzsaw of 31 starting pitchers. Um, I've always encouraged people to game the system. I've always encouraged you to know your rules, know your scoring systems, take advantage of it. I've just never seen it taken advantage of in such a way against me personally. I Honestly, I cannot believe the other owners, and I've been guilty of this for two years, we have allowed him to accumulate that many starting pitchers. And the worst part was, is on Sunday, to add insult to injury, he picked up a guy who was starting that day. He didn't need him. He guy beat me by like 400 points plus. He didn't need that guy, but he picked up another pitcher anyway. Um, Chris, what do you make of this? You are the baseball commissioner. I understand that you need to be political in some way, shape, or form. And I do believe you are also in that league. So I know that I'm 
I'm just we're we're dealing with the podcast. I'm not necessarily asking you as the baseball commissioner for all of DSC leagues to comment on it. I'm just asking you as the podcast co-host, what do you make of that? So here's what I'll say, and and I said this to you uh, off air, but I'll say it for the listeners. He very well may not have actually looked at who he was playing or how many points he had. He could have just looked at his team lineup page. This particular owner has uh, somewhere in the ballpark of 20 teams. So it's very possible that on Sunday he just saw his roster, said, oh, there's a... I can pick a guy up that's starting today. Exactly. (laughs) And, And not necessarily looking at his opponent to see where he stands. It's more of the mindset of, oh, I'm setting lineups. I know on Sunday, well, not necessarily on Sundays, but I know on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I don't look to see who I'm playing. I, I set 20, 29 lineups seven days a week. I, in, I agree. I don't I don't always look at who I'm playing. I'm more concerned with who my lineup is, who's who's got games going that day, who's in the starting lineup, who's not. I understand that. But as I watched the score just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and I started looking as to why, I mean, by Friday, he had already thrown 20-plus pitchers at me. I'm like, holy crap, how am I supposed to compete with this? Well, you're not, and that's that's the point. I mean, on a rebuilding team, I think uh, last week in that particular league, I scored the least amount of points of all of the teams. Yeah, I would have in, in, in that league, <laughs> I I don't even think I, I I think I barely cracked 150 points. <laughs> you, you had 150.52. <laughs> yeah, so I would have gotten and I had beat. 409, and I would have gotten I, beat I by, felt really good about beating you. <laughs> I would have got beat by all other 15 teams. I mean, there's a reason why I'm 0 and 5 in that league, and there's a reason why I've only scored. Oh God, uh, 1,200 points in that league through through week five. Here's why I brought it up. I said to you offline or off air that I was seriously considering just giving that team away, not even selling it, just giving it away. I, I don't know why I want to keep rebuilding this team and trying to be a contender in the long run. If, and most of this guy's 37 pitchers are young. They're under the age of 25, 26. He doesn't have that many veteran starting pitchers and the ones that he does have are under 30. So, this guy's going to be the monster that he is for probably five or six more years. I don't know that I have the patience to put up with that. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm obviously not calling this guy's name out specifically, but here's what I'm going to say. It's one thing to game the system. You have to consider what you're doing to every other owner in that league and how you're making them feel. It's one thing to be competitive. It's another thing to be over-competitive and overbearing to the point that I wonder how many other owners like me, at least for a day or two, said, F it. Just fuck it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm just going to give this team away. It's so funny. We have a guy in football who's selling all of his teams. And I was just like, I'm willing to give this team away because I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. And then I realized I'm in like three or four other leagues with him where he does not have this pitching dominance. And I'll, by golly, I'm never going to let him have that pitching dominance if I have anything to do with it. If I see myself drafting anywhere near him and I'm considering in the future a hitter or a pitcher, it's not even a question anymore. If this guy is in my league and I'm debating between a hitter and a pitcher, I'm just going to have to game the system and take my chance on a pitcher because I can't, 
it, it was it was disheartening. It was it was morale busting. It was it was soul crushing to me over the weekend to watch this guy throw 31 starting pitchers against me in one freaking week. I mean, it's not even it to me, you're not even playing fantasy anymore. You're and it's not even a checkers versus chess thing. It's just uh it's disgusting. And I don't think he realizes what he's doing to the morale of the rest of the league. Well, he's he's playing the system. He is. I mean, and I can't argue I, that. I've always I've always said for people to know your rules, know your scoring and take advantage of it. So I can't he, be angry, but I can be I can be soul crushed over it. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't be. I'm just he he's taken advantage of uh of some really good trades um, over the last couple of years. He's, he's been on, he's given up some high, high leverage prospects and taken in some starting pitchers, basically. Uh, most of the things that he does is he's always maneuvering to gain starting pitchers. There's a couple of owners in DSC that sure. their primary I, focus is always going to be starting pitchers. I'm the same way for the most part. I know going into the playoffs, I need starting pitching. I know that. I know I'm not going to win a championship without an overabundance and plethora of starting pitching. It doesn't even have to be good starting pitching. It just has to be a lot of it. So I get it. I, I do. But, man, you, the roster's only 50. It's 50 in that league, right? We got 50 plus 15. Forget yeah. about the three IR spots. But it's 50. He has 30 seven starting pitchers on a roster that you can only have 50. He's barely got enough guys to be to have enough hitters every day. He doesn't care about hitting. In in that game, I think let me look at the hitting. In that game, he did be he did outscore me 215. I'm leaving off decimal points. He he outscored me 215 to 190. If he did not throw 30 one pitchers against me, I would have been very competitive. My pitchers threw 219, which is pretty darn good for a DSC league. Anything over 200 in hitting or pitching is a really good week. And so I had a good week, both pitchers and hitters. I just couldn't do anything against a 31 pitching buzzsaw. Not many teams can. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. My my rant is over. I'm I, I'm not. I'm not giving my team away, but damn it, maybe at the end of the year, if I have, if I, I haven't looked at the schedule. I'm afraid to see how many times I have to face him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, we're we're both in that same league, and I, we, you and I played each other. I think it was two weeks ago where you, yeah, you beat I, me. I beat you by a couple of points, but we're both rebuilding, and we both couldn't even field rosters each week. I mean, each day we were laughing about how pathetic our teams were. Yeah, I mean, I I, I look at my team and I, I like my green flag players more than my more than my oh, lineup sure. players. Because I mean, this is a team that I have: Bobby Witt Jr., Austin Hendricks, Spencer Torkelson. So I mean, I get excited about JJ Blade. I mean, I get excited about the green flag players and the potential. And I look at my starting lineup, and it's like. Marwin Gonzalez, Nicky Lopez, Matt Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. I, I, I'm the same way. I have a lot of great young talent on that team, especially the, the minor league players. Um, I mean, there's going to be a day where I'm, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be a buzzsaw myself. Unfortunately, it's not going to be with pitching in that league. I mean, the pitchers I have in the minor leagues are fringe. They're they're high ceiling fringe guys that might do well and might be great, but they they don't have pedigree for the most part. I mean, there's a couple, but I don't know. I I just uh, so hard to so hard to to it's so disheartening to face a team like that. But anyways, what's your dish of the day? So since we're talking about orphans, um, it just kind of ties in pretty nicely. My dish of the day is basically if you look at a team, and, and this can go for any sport, but we'll, since we're talking about baseball in the episode, I'll, I'll keep it to baseball. If you're looking at a team and you're contemplating taking over a team, and maybe the team is an ugly-looking team, for some reason, I have an affinity towards buying ugly orphans. I, I don't know exactly why. I think I like the the masochistic part of me likes the idea of tearing it down and trying to turn what is trash and nobody else wants into something that could potentially be competitive someday. Uh, what I'm going to say is do it the right way. Don't take a, a Detroit Tigers approach to blowing up your team. Don't keep your one or two vets and a couple of mid-level guys. I mean, just blow it up. Just sell whatever you can sell. Get draft capital. Target certain uh, prospects, rookies that you want to target. Go young and just do it. Do it and do it the right way. Bring up your team, hitting and pitching balanced, around the same age, that they're all going to reach the majors within about a year to a year and a half of each other and and focus on just turning that crap into something that you could be proud of and make a turn into a juggernaut. I've done it. I've done it more times than I want to than I want to count at this point. Um but there's just something about the idea that taking that that god awful that literally god awful orphan and just figuring out a way to turn it around and make it competitive. I mean, one of the teams that I'm most proud of is actually in my Roto One team. I bought that three years ago. I sold every single sellable piece. I, uh, the very first year that I took it over, I think I had 26 uh, rookie draft picks, and I finished in the bottom for two consecutive years. And this year, uh, I think I'm in eighth or, or seventh place. And only half my lineup is actually playable because I still got more green flags than than not in that league. But it's fun. It's fun to watch that team knowing what it was and knowing how bad they were. A team that was just a god-awful team that had like five sellable pieces on it. And it's going to be one of my favorite things to watch in the next this year, next year, and the year after. Yeah. I agree with you. If you've got players over in baseball, if you got players over 30 years old and you're rebuilding, it's time to move those players. I think what really becomes problematic is where you have outstanding young talent that is, you know, in the 27 to 30 range. And you think they're still going to be good for three to three to seven years down the road. And you don't know whether or not to sell those types of players. I think that's where it becomes a problem especially you know when you have like catcher is always that one position where players don't 
come into their own in, at catcher until later in life, uh, comparatively speaking to other positions. You have other positions where you might have players coming in at 20, 22, 24 years old. Catchers usually don't even start to make their mark until 26, 27, 28. So um, I know personally, I, I've only, I only have two rebuilds, two orphans that I've purchased, one in Roto and one in Dynasty. I'm looking at them right now. My Roto team, I have, it looks like three, maybe four players over the age of 30. And that's just because they're so marginal that I can't get rid of them. And the ones that are pretty decent, they're like 31, like a Gene Segura. I mean, I know he's not going to be good for more years, but um, I don't I don't have another third baseman to replace him with right now other than an abs- uh uh, as Drupal Cabrera, who's even older. So, you know, it's just a position that I have to fill with older players because I can't. In that other D20 lead that we just spoke about in my dish of the day, I only have five players over the age of 30. I've completely dismantled that team. And that is why I struggle, like you, to fill the roster every week or every day because I don't have, I have more green flags than I do everyday players. It's just difficult. I know that team is going to be good one day. I just hope that, you know, that Detroit team uh, doesn't have all those starting pitchers on it. He's eventually going to have to make cuts. He's eventually going to have to lose some of those starting pitchers. Um, I just hope, you know, it, it happens sooner than later. But um, I agree. You you need to you need to sell some of these players that you, you have attachments to. You can't have attachments in, in fantasy dynasty baseball. Uh, you need to let some of these older players go if you're trying to rebuild. And you have to make a conscious decision to do it. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. I think that uh, fantasy owners get attached to their guys. Uh, and the one thing I got to, I don't know how many times I can say it or preach it, that it's fine to have your guy situationally, but you shouldn't have a guy blanketly. Um, you gotta You got to be willing to let go of whatever because you don't know if you don't if you don't make somebody available for a trade or or whatever you don't know what you're going to get in return and you might have there's a there's one league in particular in, in DSC that I have nine fantastic outfielders I don't need nine fan I can't use nine fantastic outfielders there's not enough spots for me to use all the outfielders so once or twice a week I have to bench and I have to figure out who I'm going to bench so I play pitcher matchups but I'm also short at shortstop in that league. So I've been looking to try to get a shortstop anywhere I can, and I'm willing to give up an outfielder, any of the nine basically, for a shortstop. But so far, I haven't been able to find a, a trade partner. You have to make things available because if you don't have the right balance in the right mix, you're not going to you're not gonna ever totally dominate straight across the board, you know. Because if I guessed wrong on an outfielder and I bench the guy that hits a grand slam or has a two-home run day, yeah, I'm screwed. it happened to me. It happens yeah. to all of us. At least those of us that have good teams. We're constantly making decisions about who to play and who to start and who not to start. And I, Oh, and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've shuttled a guy in that is in the starting lineup for a guy that is sitting on the bench and that starting guy goes 0 for 4, and the guy who was sitting on the bench comes in and hits a pinch hit home run. I'm like, you son of a bitch. 
Kebert <laughs> Ruiz. No, no, there's. I can't even count how many times that has happened no, to me. I only say that because in his first major league at bat for the year, he hits a home run. Every year. <laughs> he did it last year, too. <laughs> and I, I saw the note that he got called up before a game, and I was like, uh, I'm not going to put him in. He's not going to start. He's not going to play. So I, I think I put in Aaron Nola instead, or Austin Nola uh, as my as my catcher for the game, who went over four with three strikeouts. Right. And Ruiz comes in in the, in the eighth or ninth inning, pinch hit home run. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, it happens all the time. Happens all the time. But we, it is what it is. Um, I want to thank the audience for sticking around. Appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, Chris, again for joining us here in the Dynasty Diner podcast. Please contact us. You can reach us on Twitter at Dynasty Diner Pod. Email us, dynastydinerpod at gmail.com. We do love to hear your feedback. Please communicate with us. Send us your questions. We do read them on the air. Uh, we've done that quite a bit in the past, and we really look forward to doing it in the future. If you have not already, please subscribe to our podcast. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Visit dynastysportsempire.com. Join a league. Have some fun. We've got baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and golf. Coming soon, English Premier League soccer. Football is... Literally, we're doing signups right now for new leagues, and uh, we are transitioning from uh, MFL over to fan track. So uh, some of the existing leagues are, uh, we're, we're getting them online now. We're really excited about that uh, with the platform move. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more fun for everybody. Um, I did not have a, I liked MFL. I just thought it was clunky. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, we are hoping to do new episodes every week. We did skip last week. Again, I know it's uh, taboo to apologize in a podcast, but we do apologize for that. Life got in the way of all of us. Um, have a great day. Remember, build your fantasy, sports, dynasty, empire. Crush the competition. See you next week. You've been listening to Dynasty Diner a proud member of the Dynasty Sports Empire family of podcasts.